This podcast is made possible by Sage People and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is Dan Crum, CFO of the Kansas City Chiefs, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 442. It was actually pretty early on when I was at Square, it must have been probably around uh, late 2012. Um, I was asked by our um, CFO, Sarah Fryer, um, and uh, CEO, Jack Dorsey, to take a look at our customer behavior and specifically churn. In fact, that was a, a request that came down from the board. And it was really fascinating. First of all, we were able to define a way to, to measure churn. and. In fact, we had to first establish a, a sense of what a kind of true customer was based upon uh, usage. And then two, we could then look at what the curve of usage changed over time and measure what a churn rate was versus that baseline. More importantly, it, um, it started to uncover a lot of questions around who our customers really were. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Naeem Ishaq, CFO of Circle, a global crypto finance company, which if Naeem's past career path is any indication, Circle may someday make history or change its course. Learn why after these words from our sponsor. Hello, Jack here. I have a message for you from the folks at Sage People. Decisions about your people should be driven by data. But is your HR department still using spreadsheets to keep track of your people? It's time to move to cloud. Understand what makes your employees tick. Know your best performers or determine absence trends. All with a cloud HR and people system. Sage People empowers organizations to respond quickly and easily to changing priorities in today's shifting world of work. It means you can make sure your workforce is able to adapt while staying connected and engaged wherever they are. Discover how to get instant insights at your fingertips. Visit us today at sageintech.com forward slash sage Dash people.
We'll be right back with Circle's CFO, Naeem Ishak, after this Leadership Minute. Hello, we're attending the Association of Finance Professionals annual conference in Chicago this week, and we're pleased to catch up with Tony Levy, head of financial solutions for Anaplan. Hello, Tony. Hey, good morning, Jack. Tony, knowing that we were going to be able to catch up with you today, I made a note to myself to ask you about non-financial as we speak, the finance leaders, non-financial data is clearly more top of mind. And we wanted to ask you, are you seeing this? Is this part of your world today? Absolutely. You know, we're tapping into non-financial data and financial data. So what are examples of non-financial data, right? So that would be data on our customers, data on demand, data around risk, econometric data data around our supply chain, right? This is all non-financial data that needs to be pulled into what we call connected planning combined with financial data to be able to help FP&A work with the business to you know, get more lead time, get a more reliable view of where the business is headed. So for example, you know, the demand plan is typically in units. So being able to create a more reliable demand plan that is integrated and connected seamlessly with the revenue. The demand plan drives the revenue plan. Or, you know, something perhaps on the expense side, you know, call center, for example. You know, the number of FTDs we need to support our call center is really driven by call volumes, right? So what is driving our call volumes to our call center? Maybe it has to do with our product, product quality, new releases. All of those initiatives are creating call volumes that then require us to staff properly to meet those call volumes, which then gets connected back to the package or upper right, the flow and quarantine projections, right? So being able to tap into operational drivers that have a financial effect. We have this notion at our plan that OC equals FP. Operational costs have a financial effect. So connected planning allows you to tap in and model operational drivers, collect the data, Want to move to our mentoring round? Seem to have the clock moving on on us, so I want to make sure I, I ask you these questions. What's exciting you about? And I think we already know the answer to this question, but what's exciting you about finance and business today? Yeah, you, you do know the answer to that. You know, we're, we're on, this, on the, the precipice of um, a complete revolution um, with uh, blockchain tech. Um, so there's, there's no doubt about that. I think, you know, more, more specifically to kind of finance as a, as a domain or um, you know, operational finance, um, you know, I, I would highlight the, the role of the CFL is, is growing more and more important um, in companies and progressively so over time. And I would also say that more and more CEOs and board of directors are looking for strategically oriented finance people who can not just be on the results, but can have a point of view about business performance and strategy. We can also um, take on operational roles um, uh, increasingly soon. And I think that creates um, an enormous opportunity for aspiring finance leaders 
but the challenge there, um, I would say the biggest thing is there's a lack of supply of, I think, qualified, um, capable CFOs um, within the technology sector right now. So hopefully for listeners, that's a you know, call to action um, to, to step up and, and take advantage. Now, you've been in large organizations. You've had senior finance roles. But, you know, the first time you step into a CFO role where, where you are the leader, can, can you tell us perhaps something of what you experienced there? Because we want to know what you wish someone had told you <laughs> as you stepped into that leadership role. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I thought about this question um, a, a bit uh, earlier today. Um, if, uh, you know, I, I should also say I've, I've also, again, had the, the great um, the great pleasure of, of learning under some amazing science leaders. You know, I should have mentioned Andy, uh, Brian, um, uh, Grant Smith at Salesforce, uh, Sarah Fryer at Salesforce and at Square. Um, and I think learning from all of them and, um, was, was, was amazing. Um, I think, the, you know, my career, if you, you talked about my past, has been more on the, you know, the financial planning and, and strategy development side of the house. Um, I think if there's one thing I wish uh, someone had told me or um, kind of noted would be to really actively foster your relationship with the auditors. Um, you know, I, I'm not a CPA. That's not where I cut my teeth. Um, and, you know, and so I think early on in, in being a CFO, quick in retrospect, I think I wish I spent maybe a little bit more time with my auditors on that first uh, CFO gig. Um, and that's a clear little bit of catch up work to do, you know, as we got into sort of about you personally. We're wondering if you have a routine or a personal habit that you believe has contributed in some way to your success. Yeah, I, I do. You know, there's, um, 
you know, people often will say you should, um, you should learn from your own mistakes, and I think that's true. Of course, you should learn from your own mistakes. Um, and I consider sort of, you know, level zero, um, you know, kind of an approach uh, to learning. Um, I would say a next level of learning would be to be, um, to learn from other people's mistakes, um, of course. And uh, I think as much as that's often repeated as well, I think uh, unfortunately a lot of times people don't. Um, they're too busy kind of living in their own world to, to look up their heads and see what else is around them. And, but if you can just imagine, you know, you're an individual, you know, one person, you're surrounded by dozens and in many cases hundreds of thousands of people. So if you can learn from others' mistakes by, you know, just paying attention, that gives you such a massive advantage. Um, and so I, I would certainly, I've always tried to do that. But then you go to even the, the next level beyond that, is to not just learn from other people's mistakes, but learn before the mistake. And what I mean by that is when there's a really critical decision um, uh, that's being made or a question that a company or a team is heading in, into, as that's happening, in your own mind, form, I, I try to form in my own perspective or opinion on what that is and also what I would have done in that situation. And then to look back after the fact and see, was I right or wrong? Because now I've actually, effectively, by creating that empathy, um, have amplified my learning experience in, a, in an active way, not just a passive way by looking at what others are doing, but also to come to be hold myself accountable, even though, you know, clearly in those cases, I was, it wasn't my decision to make, or, or I might even in some cases been pretty far from it. I can certainly have tested my own thought process and judgment. And, you know, so much of the value I think I bring to the table, and I would say any senior leader brings to the table, is that judgment. Um, uh, and so that, that has been, I, I think, a huge secret to my success um, and something I try to uh, remind myself of, of every day and, and certainly try to pass on to others as well. Now, you have a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders. Yeah, there's um, so I actually have two I'd like to highlight, um, uh, two of my favorite books I've, I've read. And the first is, um, is called The Leadership Pipeline. Um, and this was recommended to me actually by um, one of my managers, uh, a gentleman named uh, Dan Belmar, when I was back at Intel. Um, and what I loved about this book is it, it almost reads like a, a, a phase-by-phase um, you know, guidebook um, of your career. And you know, talks about uh, you know, how to prepare yourself for moving from, say, like an individual contributor to a uh, first-time manager, so the, the first you know, leadership transition, going from a first-time manager to a second-line manager going from a second-line manager to someone managing a whole function, you know, going from someone who's managing a whole function to managing many functions, and so on and so forth. And so it stayed relevant throughout, um, effectively, you know, even to say every part of my career. Um, and it's one of the very few books I actually go back to as a reference uh, uh, guide. Um, so I love that book and couldn't recommend it more highly. Um, I think that another book I would recommend really highly is uh, more just on the um, more relevant to the technology sector and, and really reflecting to a society is a book called The Second Machine Age. Um, and it, it, it does, I think, a great job of exploring the, the evolution of, of uh, machine learning and, and the emergence of artificial intelligence and explores um, you know, the implications to our society um, as that takes hold. Um, and it's, you know, it's always been a personal fascination of mine. And, and I think for anyone working in, in the technology sector, um, it, it's very relevant. So I would recommend that highly as well. We asked Naeem Ishaq for his 12-month 
finance leader priorities after these words from our sponsor. Technology adoption, business partnership, strategic direction, resource optimization, and honestly, scalability, right? We are past the point in business of throwing people to solve problems. Like, let's take a five-second pause and RIP to that business strategy, right? <laughs> you can't just throw people to solve problems anymore. Hi, I'm Rowan Tonkin, your host at Being Planful. You just heard from Chris Ortega, a recent guest on the show. If you want to hear from guests like Chris talking about today's trends for tomorrow's FBNA leaders, you can subscribe at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcast. The business landscape is changing quickly as the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases. You need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. I wish I could come up with a, a quick historical uh, parallel here uh, to you being in the finance department at uh, Salesforce. At, at a particular moment in time when, uh, you know, cloud computing is, uh, we're on the eve, really, of cloud computing, uh, but there's also something else happening here, which is uh, how you're measuring the customer experience and CRM. So, I mean, at the time, just to have been there and to be in the finance department and realize that the software tools that you're developing and perhaps using and using yourselves uh we're in some way going to be innovative for a profession, not just an industry, but how finance people uh, look at their responsibilities. I, I mean, did you see that happening? Was there a sense of that? I mean, I think in some ways it's historical. And yeah, without a doubt, unequivocally, yes. And, um, you know, I, th- I think I, I, mean, I have some sense of perspective of the historical importance of one, what, what Salesforce is doing at all, you know, so much of how, you know, cloud companies or cloud businesses operate, um, operate a lot of, uh, off of a lot of the, the playbook that Salesforce has established. Um, and that includes, of course, you know, very much from a go-to-market perspective, but also from like a uh, product development and from a financial reporting and management perspective. Um, you know, one of the things I was uh, also fortunate to have a chance to, to do when I was at Salesforce was to deploy the first um, broadly accepted uh, customer lifetime value model um, at Salesforce. And, you know, my ability to do that, which was a pretty big project and, uh, you know, got a lot of visibility up to the, the most senior levels of the company and helped to inform our corporate strategy. Um, but it was ultimately enabled by that visibility that you're mentioning, you know, the access to the customer data um, with a degree of fidelity um, that was just never possible before. Um, and so, you know, we certainly used it, as we said, we kind of ate our own dog food, um, and uh, I think a lot of companies have followed suit. Well, thank you. We're going <laughs> to finally get to our final question. 
over the next 12 months, what are your priorities as a finance leader? Yeah, so, um, you know, there, there are so many. That's a, that's a tough question to answer, um, you know, in, in any kind of a succinct way. But I will say a, my, my broader priority is to build the, the world's greatest finance organization. Um, and, you know, so uh, if I were to point to one thing, um, my number one priority, and I think now and, and for the foreseeable future, will be to attract, retain, and inspire the greatest people that I can possibly find. Um, and I spend an enormous amount of my time doing that, and I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. All right, this is my time. I get to say, Naeem Isha, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Hey, don't forget, we're always happy to hear from you. Drop me an email at jack at cfothoughtleader.com. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you.